0: Thank you, Paul and Leslie. All right. Trusting you all have a good day today. If not, we're going to try to make it that way. How's that? Um, For just a moment, um, last week, some of you were here, some of you weren't. But uh, let's review just briefly because I think it's going to take us where we want to be, and our text today is only going to be one verse. As you're thinking about where that might be, it's a verse actually in an epistle that if it was gone, if that verse wasn't there, the rest of it really wouldn't make much sense. You're saying, whoa, right? Okay, but let's go back, and uh, what did we talk about last week? And those of you that were not here, um, don't worry about it. If you weren't here, you're going to maybe hopefully catch on to something, but if you are here, we're here last week. Let's uh, let's do a little review. What were we talking about? Contentment. The secrets of contentment. Wow, that sounds like we should be ready for that one, right? How many were you? How many of you were fully content this last week? Not. I just want to make sure not one hand went up, but there was there was at least an attempt to be content. Correct? Right. Right. <laughs> we have at least one that's ready for that. Okay. And contentment. Quite honestly, uh, as you'll find, I'm sure if you're living and you have a pulse contentment is not something that's simple our society is very complex in the sense of grabbing and taking you in all in a lot of different directions and really living you, leaving you outside of contentment so uh, rather quickly let's uh let's uh review for me i think i have my notes somewhere but i'm going to have you guys fill it in so the secret to contentment number 1 was Uh, Complete confidence in the providence of God. In other words, you're convinced that God can handle what it is that you're involved in. You are trusting him fully and exclusively. Okay? That's a great place to start, isn't it? Uh, By the way, our text was based on Philippians chapter 4 verses... uh, Where did we start? Verses 10 probably through verse 19, probably somewhere in there. Uh, Okay, so that'd be number one. Number two... Oh, before we, now this is something we didn't do. This is, we're going to add a little flavor to this. Um, those were the points we're giving, and we've done one. Um, and the thing I forgot to give to you was literally there's one word that we could lay and just say, that word describes that. Okay? So if we were going to take uh, having complete confidence in God's providence, we could say that's truly faith. Right? So you could just put a little faith, a word faith right beside that, number one. Number two is satisfied with little. In other words, you're satisfied with whatever you have. And you say, well, that's not as simple as you could maybe say it is. What would we call that in a one-word description of that? I would call that humility. That's humility. And number three. Independent of yeah, independent of circumstances. You can be content independent of circumstances. And what would, a one-word uh, description of that would be the sense of Submission. 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 Number four. Does anyone have that one? Okay. Maybe I didn't give you the... Let me go back. Okay, that would... That certainly absolutely would be the key component behind that. Where would... Uh, if you are infused with the Holy Spirit, if you will, that is to be strengthened by Him, oh, can I kind of gave it away? In other words, all of our strength... And our stability comes exclusively from God. That was what we kind of captured. Did, did, I, did I give that to you or not really? Let me actually see if I can find my notes because I, I think I did. Uh, I, okay. What did I do with it? There we go. Um, let me put my glasses on. That will be important too. Uh, your strength and sustainability comes from God. Okay. And it comes through an infusion, if you will, from the Holy Spirit. Um, if we were going to say uh, one word for that, we would say What? Dependence. Again, we're dependent upon God. So how are we doing? We've got one, two, three, four. We have faith, humility, submission, dependence. And then our last one was, which I think is really key to making this happen. If you've done these, this, these first four, then it's easier to come to number five because this is the one that just kind of flows you into contentment. And that is what? Pre- preoccupied. Being preoccupied with others. Being preoccupied with Others, and the one-word synopsis of that would be, one second, unselfishness. Uh, not like uh, sir, servant. Uh, but again, I want the, the thing that's really pointing out that makes contentment real is unselfishness. If you're here or anywhere, and you're consumed with self, you will not be content. It's impossible. So there again, if we had those five words, we would have faith, humility, submission, dependence, and unselfishness. Wow, doesn't that, that just, I mean, that's a, isn't that a nice little platform of which you should really, quite honestly, you will be content if those are really part of your life, okay? I was thinking, uh, in going forward, where are we going to go next? That's always, that's always where, you know, what are we going to do next, and I uh, actually took a phone call from uh, someone this week, and uh, that person on the other line during the conversation said that they were filled with fear they were filled with fear now uh, it, and it just kind of caught me a little bit because most of the time we don 't necessarily admit that, correct? I mean, we just kind of keep that to ourselves. Now we may act the way we act where our lives are we 're full of fear, be the way we act, our lives really display. Really, what's driving us? And it's amazing how much our, how many lives display actions of fear. It's, it's true, right? I mean, it's, sometimes it's almost a little bit subtle in the, fa- in the fact of. Uh, I had a situation this week. I can't tell you a lot about it. But, but the point of the matter was, is, is there something? Was you like? Have you ever had this? Boy, I did not see that coming. Have you ever had those moments? Whoa, where did that come from? Well, I had one of those. Whoa, I don't know where that came from. Kind of moments. And it just, you know, just wham, just blindsides you. Uh, didn't do anything wrong. And yet there was an ultimatum given where, I mean, my future in this looks, whoa. And you know what the first thing comes? The potential? Fear. Because it's something that that totally blows out what you perceive to be in the future. Now, again, we don't control the future. You, you, you get what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm fully in charge of it. But there's something if you're going down a pathway and you're, and you're doing it right and everything's okay and then... Bam, You get blindsided, and you say, "Whoa!" And, and you know what happens? then? many times, your mind, yourself—if if you're, if you're into yourself as such—you're wondering, "Now, how can I get through this to to make it better?" Okay? And you know what usually happens? Guess what's gone? Contentment, because self is included. So we're—and pre- I would—I would—I would ask uh, just. I was going to say selfishly, no pun intended. But if you would pray for me in regards in our family, in regards to this, uh, it hasn't been worked out totally. But you know what? When I, when I came to contentment on it was when I said, you know what? God, you've got me here. You're in complete control. You're bigger than anything that could happen. And you've got me after the fact if this does not accordingly work the way I thought it might work. Now I'm content. And all of those things are coming into play, correct? So it's interesting, though, fear... There are so many people, in, even in the scriptures, and I'm talking about seasoned veterans. I'm not talking about some Now there's different kinds of fear. There's those that don't have Jesus Christ as their Savior. You need to be fearful if you're here today and do not know Christ personally. That's a really good thing to be is fearful because hopefully it will drive you to Christ. Okay? But let's say that you're all saved here. You still can be fearful. It happens because we're very human. Most of the time, about the unknown—that's correct. Something that we can't handle. Something we can't. And do you see where we is right away. It's right there. It's we. When it becomes about us, when we're full of ourselves, we will be fearful. Okay. So I was meandering and pondering, and where are we going to go? And how am I going to do this? And I'm looking and seeking, and and uh, working really hard this morning. And just you know, just not quite coming together. Have you ever had those days where just not quite coming together? And then I started, took a step back, and it was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. If we're fearful, this means there's something missing. There's something missing. So I'm going to take you now to the verse. Now, this is going to sound a little weird because I'm going to set it up. Uh, there's, a, there's an epistle in the Scriptures that, to me, uh, it's not it's not, it did not originate with me, but to me it just fits the analogy really clear. Um, if you take this epistle we're going to turn to in just a minute, If you start and you start through the first three chapters, it begins to build for you and unfolds, if you will. I'm talking a high-performance automobile. It shows you all the bells, all the whistles, all the things that you have if you're in Christ. It lays it out. The specifications are there. And it, my friends, is unbelievably super-duper. It's crazy good. It's awesome. And, you know, you just can't hardly wait to get into it. Uh, You're not quite there yet, are you? I'm going to keep working it. You, you can already smell that new car smell because it's where you want to be, and you see it, and it's been described for you. And guess what? It's yours. Show us. It, yeah, exactly. Show us the deal. And then you get to chapter three and the last, and the, and the kind of in there is this little passage, this little point just lays it right in there, and it's like it's the ignition. in it's in chapter three, and it's verses 14 through 21. And you probably know where I'm going now, but just be just hold on for a minute. And you're there, and it's just like it, he gave you the keys to the car that's yours. Vroom. Oh, man. Right? And then you get to chapter 4 and parts of 5, and now what it is is he's describing for you the road map, the place that you're going to go with this super-duper awesome car, which is actually you if you're in Christ. And then we get to chapter 6, and there's kind of described some roadblocks talks about some things that are going to be coming at you and maybe some protection that you're going to need and implement. And so you have this book, and there's one thing, there's one verse. If we left it out, if we left it out, it would be a really big deal. Well, let's think what's missing. we got, we got an unbelievable specimen of a car, right? You can call it anything you want. It's expensive, and it's good, and it is fast, and it is just raw power. And you've got the keys. And you started it. And you know where you're going. You've got Siri on board. In fact, I don't even know it would be the notch above Siri because she could never be wrong in this car. In fact, I'm going to tell you in a moment we could be, right? And then at the end, it even tells you how to protect yourself when you get in a jam, when you, when you come into these roadblocks. But there's something that, quite honestly, without this verse, in that passage of Scripture, in that epistle, no fuel you got to have fuel in the tank. And when we're fearful, guess what's not in our tank? We are not being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you, I mean, you guess which epistle we're going to go to now? Boy, I've done a really good job, haven't I? Uh, you'll never see this epistle the same way again, will you? Because now, Larry just described this epistle as a car. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. One of my favorite books, Ephesians, Ephesians, and let's turn to the one verse that I'm so glad it's there because without it, we wouldn't have fuel for our engine. And if you're here today and you have times of fear, then I can assure you that there are things that we'll be able to talk about today that will give you the fuel you need to dispel those things that are working itself in your life. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. I would like us to turn to verse 18. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. And again, as you're turning there, uh, I would like to bring to your attention, uh, as you're turning up, let's just turn back to Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 14 through 21. Uh, this is the ignition part of it, well, and we could spend a lot more time. I'm going to let you do that on your own, but as you read first through uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3, you start to see the whole thing that you have in Christ. If you're in Christ, if you've accepted Him as your Savior. I mean, there is an uh, unimaginable a spectrum of awesomeness that literally is yours. But I want you to see now in verse, uh, we've, and we went through this a number of weeks ago, but I want you to see it again. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees. Paul is literally, he's praying right now unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Remember, we talked about that last week. Not out of his riches, but according to his riches. I want to be paid according to his riches because he has everything. To be strengthened with might by his Spirit. Where? In the inner man. This is where it all starts. This is where the ignition takes place. When the Spirit is strengthening you on the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That's where Christ is comfortable living at home in your heart. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length. And the depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passeth passeth knowledge. It is not, whoops, went to the wrong page. Hang on. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world without end. Amen. I mean, that is a place to just say, that's as much as we need. But you know what? That was the ignition. That was getting this baby going. And then if you go into chapter 4, you'll find, in fact, that he lays out for us a road map. Look at verse 2 of chapter 4. With all lowliness and meekness, uh, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. You see the sense of a life with um, uh, humility, not pride. Oh, by the way, this journey that you're going to be on now in this brand new awesome vehicle that's powered by the Holy Spirit it 's going to be very unique it 's a different road you 're not going to find a lot of the world traveling on this road because they're they 're going to want to do it in disharmony in disunity correct if you If you doubt that, go to washington d c today If that thing isn 't split down the middle at least once right and it 's splintered amongst themselves that doesn 't sound a lot like what we 're describing is it with meekness and lowliness of mind that it 's none of that but you if you 're in this car with that Ignition turned on with the Holy Spirit driving the inner man. This is going to be a very unique road that you're going to be traveling. It's going to be filled with humility, not pride. There's going to be love and not hate. There will be light and not darkness. And then turning over to chapter 5 and verse 15. We find the last one that he speaks of in the sense of what you're going to be driving with, and that is with wisdom. See, then, that you walk circumspectly, or wise, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise with understanding what the will of the Lord is. And Now, now stop for just a second. You want, you want to just cruise in 18. Stop, though. Don't do that. Don't do that. Stop, 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 stop. Don't do it. Okay. Now, right now, what do we have? We have a car. It started, and we have a road map. We know where we're going to go. And verse 18 has to be there. It has to be there. Because are you like, I'm, I'm going to ask if you're like this. You, you, do you get in the vehicle, whatever vehicle it is, pickup, car, truck, whatever, and what's one of the first things you do? Oh, maybe you pop the hood and check the oil. That's great. That's awesome. Okay, and you, all of that's good. You slip into the seat, you turn the key on, and what do you check? That's a really good thing. Because if you don't, if you're preoccupied or distracted, have you ever run out of gas? Let me ask that. Go ahead and be honest today. Most people have run out of gas somewhere in their lifetime. And is not in a i absolutely, ridiculously, I cannot believe I did that moment. Of course it is. And you know, it was all our fault, wasn't it? Well, now, maybe not. You could blame Joe, maybe, right? If you're, No, Joe doesn't drive your car even, does he? That's your car. But, and I'm picking, I'm picking on a, right now, but I'll stop that. But lots of times we can say the previous driver should have put gas in the car, our fuel in the truck, right? But ultimately, when we got in the driver's seat and we started the engine, guess whose responsibility is? It's our responsibility to check the gauge on the fuel. And that's what I'm here for you today, is it's our responsibility to do what it says for us. In verse 18 of chapter 5 in Ephesians, and it says this. He lays a contrast for us. He says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And literally, that is the verse that we're going to work on today. But we go any further, let's just bow in prayer. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for this verse. Particularly, thank you that you literally have provided fuel. You've provided the engine. You've provided the power. You've provided the inner man's strength through the Holy Spirit. Father, you've provided everything we need to be exactly what you want us to be. Father, take our minds, uh, direct us, use us. But Father, fill us with your Word. And may the Spirit have his way with us as we yield to him. We thank you for what you're going to do today. We ask that, again, the Spirit would be our exclusive teacher today, that we would be receptive and relationally. Father, we will never have been closer to you than we are in these moments before us as we praise and honor and worship you. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Now, he lays out this contrast, which is interesting. He says, "Be not drunk with wine. Where did that come from? Boom, I'd right of be not drunk with wine. Now, one of the things that you may or may not be aware of in where Ephesus was in that particular part of the world, um, drunkenness was a way that was perceived to reach to a higher level, a higher echelon of being of meeting with the gods. The more intoxicated you were, the the higher and really the less conscious you were. Literally, you're, you're intoxicated to the point, And it was amazing. I, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but it's amazing the debauchery that's involved with this. And I'm not talking just from the sense of trying to drown your bottles. Or drown your bottles. Drown That was pretty good, though, wasn't it? You might as well drown those bottles because they have no value to you if you're trying to get rid of your troubles, right? But there's many people that have tried to drown their troubles in the bottom of a bottle. And again, what's at the bottom of that? Fear. It, to me, this, 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 actually this verse fits so beautifully because literally those things that take us out of where we really should be living in reality, that's what truth is. It's really saying things as they are, that's reality, is all of these things that could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be sex, it could be almost anything that literally try, you're trying to squelch or to diminish or to minimize the pain or the fear of where you're at. Now I can see that, but Paul is even another level above this. This is really a way that they were religiously this was a religious practice. Now, think of it in a drunken state, that is where one's intoxicated and not in their right mind, it's one of the most vulnerable places possible. If 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 you want if you want to do something stupid, go ahead and get intoxicated. Uh, and you can go all through the scriptures, go all the way back. I think maybe the first one, I may be wrong, but where was the first picture that we have or the first statement, a description of someone in the... Oh, I'm going to go all the way back to Genesis that drunkenness was named. Noah, that's where I was going to go. And if there's one earlier than that, I'm sure it was just as, not as pretty a sight. But here's Noah. Uh, he was 500 years old when he uh, had his sons, uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, right? And uh, 100 years later, they get on the, on the ark. He gets, and they're on the, on the, for over a year, actually, on, on this arc. That, that seems like an incredibly long time, doesn't it? How many of you have been on a cruise? Anyone? And was it less than a year? <laughs> you wanted it to be less than a year, too. Didn't you? I'll, bet, I'll bet, no, I don't want to say this. You probably had a very enjoyable time. But if, if they told you that it was going to last a year, I'm going to tell you, I'm not getting on that bad boy. It ain't going to happen. And you know what? Noah had no idea how long it was going to last. But he was comfortable and content to be there. So he gets off the, off the, the ark and, and goes through all of this. He, and, and for whatever reason, he gets drunk. He gets intoxicated. How did that work out? Well, it's not, it's not pretty. Uh, another one, uh, I think it's chapter... No, that's a different one. Um, where was it where Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed? And um, Lot... There, there's that chapter in the Bible that is, oh, it's, you know, you'd almost like, you know, I just assume he didn't put that in there, right? But the, his, his two daughters get him drunken on two individual nights and have relations with him, and there's two sons born out of that, which turn into people that really are a problem for the Israelites. And it was all in this, and we could go on and on and on. And, and drunkenness, to be out of our mind in the sense we're not rational, real, it is nothing but trouble. And that's what he's laying it out. Now I could take a whole another session and talking about the sense of uh, what I'm going to say, wine or alcoholic content in the in the biblical times versus where it is today. It is not even close to being the same as it is today. But I'm going to leave that for another. I'm going to leave that for another session because I want to get at the real heat and the mark uh, and, the, and the meat of what we want today. And that is, so he's saying this, um, the contrast not being drunk with wine, we're in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I want to give you a picture now as such. There was, there's a story told of an Amishman that in some drawing, I don't know how or where, this is a story, so it could be just that, but he actually won a car. How are you doing right now? Dina's on it. She's all over it. She's, she's chuckling a bit. So we have an Amishman that won a car. And he really thought he was hitting a home run because he hooked that bad boy up right behind the horse, and he was living in luxury, pulling his car around with a horse. And we're laughing about that, but you know what? I'm going to tell you something here today. If you've got this fancy, powerful car, and you've started it, and there's no fuel in it, it's just like pulling it around with your horse, which is yourself. You have a fleshly side of you that just pulls it around. And I'm happy as a lark. Missing all of the benefits, all of the things that really you have at your disposal. You see, not only... Uh, do you do you have a gas card to fill it? You own the company. All you gotta do is fill it. Isn't that easy? Nobody said yes because you haven't told us how to fill, be filled yet. But as we think about that again, I, there's there's just so many things uh, that are on my mind. But I'm going I think I'm gonna just let's just keep going tell me, uh, let's just jump right into it. I mean, it's pretty direct. Um, Is that a suggestion? I mean, he says, do not be drunk with wine, which is an excess. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that a, is that a suggestion? It's a command. It literally is this you need to do. Now, some of you, um, this is going to be used for a couple of different, and I didn't, I have a glass of water and it's not completely full. But let's just say because I would probably spill it if I had it completely full. It's about half full. So imagine that I've got a I should have brought one, but I didn't. A pitcher of water and I'm going to fill it to the very top, as full as I can get it. And then I'm going to very carefully go over here and set it on the piano. Is that your idea of what it means to be filled with the spirit? Is it full? Now again, you have, you, have to, you have to work with me. Uh, it's half full right now, but but you imagine with me. You imagined with me that I topped it off, and it's as full as you could make it. Is that being filled with the Spirit? Is that the idea behind this? You're scared to say something, aren't you? So so let's let's actually get into the Greek for a moment, and and let's let it say what it says. It literally would be, listen carefully, be being kept filled with the Spirit. Be. Being kept filled with the Spirit. It would be almost as such that literally you're just topping that off continually every single moment. In fact, if it was filled five minutes ago, it's not good enough. You can't walk this life without just constantly being filled. And you say, how can I do that? One step at a time. One step at a time. Now, the word actually, uh, play rao, play rao. And you say, "What is that?" Well, let me spell it for you, and it would be P L E R O O. Play Ra O in the Greek, and that's the word it's used to fill, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you an example of that. Um, again, let's say, how many of you have been on the on the ocean or a body of water? Uh, have you ever been in a sailboat anyone wow some of you have i've never have i don't think i want to either for that matter but i've got a really good friend over in uh in the in the Galton valley area that he used to own a sailboat and he's really into it he loves it and i and i just you know i'm i i know nothing about it and he's into you know he'll say he's doing this and doing that and you know yeah whatever right he goes to canyon ferry and he's been on the ocean and just stuff and But a sailboat, to me, seems challenging. Because I'm this one, a guy, how are we going to get where I want to (laughs) go? You know where I'm going, right? You know, you need a south, I'm just making a a south wind to go where we want to go, but you get a north wind. That seems problematic to me. Problematic to me, doesn't it? Okay. But for a moment, just think of how this sailboat is actually energized. Play ra'o is the sense of, those sails, as you and those guys know what they're doing. I don't, okay? You know just what to do with whatever. I don't even know the right terminology. As they set those up, it's very important they have something, though, right? What do they have to have? They have to have wind. That sail being filled, play roto is what moves that ship. Our sailboat, very quietly. But it moves, doesn't it? That's the same word, the same idea we have behind it, is the sense of filling those sails, moving consciously, objectively, and completely with the filling of that sail. Now, there's another side of it. Um, The play rao can also be described or distinguished as... I don't know what I did with that now. I've got a... Are you guys familiar with airborne or emergency... Um, years ago when I was just a little boy they had something called those fizzies, right? Our younger people have no idea what I'm talking about. Or Alka-Seltzer, I was looking for some I couldn't find any. Remember plop plop fizz fizz oh, what a relief it is? Yeah. Now you guys are on board with it, except for the younger generation. Um, but now this is this is this is a glass of water. Now when I take this tablet of Airborne and I plop it in there What's it going to do? It's going to fizz. That's right. And ultimately, if, if I'm if I'm comfortable in waiting just long enough, what's it going to do? What's what's it what's it doing right now? What what is happening? It's dissolving. It's dissolving. What what happens to that water? What's going to happen to that water? Lovely. Yep. When it's done, all of that water is going to taste exactly like the airborne tablet that was dumped into it. It is going to fully be permeated. I want you to remember that word, permeated. Plerao is the same. It tells the sense of permeation. It, in other words, if you take a drink of that, it's all going to taste the same. It's Now, listen to me now as we think about this. As you're filled with the Spirit, as you're permeated, plero, guess what? When somebody runs into, not literally running into, but they come close to you, you know, you know what you should taste like? Like God. It literally should be that fresh. The Holy Spirit, as, you're, as He permeates your life. See, that's what I'm getting at when we're talking about filling. When you're continually being kept filled, then you become just like what's happening here. You become just completely permeated by the Holy Spirit and all of those attributes, those characteristics of what, even in in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, we are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's God's full purpose for us. That's why he saved us. Not to just get us the get get out of hell free card. He wanted to conform us, to make us like Jesus Christ, to be, in fact, turn with me to, uh, this is interesting. When we are in, if you get the fuel in your tank, For this motor and this car that's been started in verse 18, turn down to, uh, actually in chapter 5, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. See, everything we should be doing is followers of God. Do You see now it's changing color. Did you see that? Just about done. Is it going to taste like water anymore? Just like your life when you're filled with the Spirit, guess what you're going to taste like? You're going to taste like God. Now, don't go too far with that analogy. But all of those things that makes God God, that's what he wants you to be like. And you know what? Your life becomes just like that. Now, there's one that I used some time ago that is kind of the same picture in the sense of, here's this glove. Here's a glove. Now, I'm going to put this glove over here. What should we call our glove? Joe. Joe. Charlie, let's go with Charlie because there's there's no Charlie in the room, right? And don't tell Joe we did this. Okay. So so here we go. So we're gonna we're gonna lay Charlie down here on the on the and I'm gonna Charlie I, w- I would really like for you to go open to the door over there. So whenever you want to do that, would you you know just are you understanding what I'm saying? A little louder? Charlie, open the door. Okay. We'll see how he does with that in a little bit. We're just kinda gonna watch that along, but we we've certainly given instruction, haven't we? Talking to what? (laughs) (laughs) Excellent, excellent, excellent. But I'm talking to Charlie the glove right now. Okay, yeah, I'm talking to Charlie the glove. But we'll we'll check in on Charlie from time to time as we keep going here. But so far, it looks like he's not really in a. He's not going to do it fast. That's for sure. But uh, at any rate, uh, one of the things that you may be asking, and and we want to again, I want to make sure that this is something that you're very, very familiar with, because there's a lot of. There's a lot of miscommunication. There's a lot of, um, I would just, yeah, that's a good word. Let's just go with with misinformed, misinterpreted, miscommunication. Um, Okay, Larry, let's stop for a moment. Okay, those are nice little analogies, but it it can't be that, I mean, I mean, the Holy Spirit. I mean, like, where is he at? Uh, Don't I need to get him? Uh, It's going to be hard if I don't know where he's at or have I done the right thing? I don't know. Well, let's stop. Let's be real clear here now. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've trusted Him, then guess what? Voom. You have the Holy Spirit. You don't need any more of Him. He's there in its entirety, in His entirety. You can't get any more of Him. He is there. Now, let's take a couple of verses so we make sure we get on the right uh, plane, if you will. Let's go to uh, Romans chapter 8. We're in Ephesians. Let's turn back to Romans chapter. A lot of this, I'm sure, will be review for you. That's okay. Review is wonderful. In Romans chapter 8, and let's look at verse 9. Uh, we we'll Let's start in verse 8, actually. Actually, verse 7. It's even better. Verse 7. Uh, chapter 8 of Romans and, and uh, verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Now, uh, let, let me stop there for a moment. Now, you can find in the scriptures uh, carnal or carnality in a couple of different ways. Now, if you're reading in Corinthians, uh, chapter 3 particularly, that that carnality is the sense of a fleshly Christian. It's someone that's saved, but they're living in flesh. They're living in sin, if you will. Uh, this one, however, in, in Romans, uh, when you see carnal or carnality, it's someone that is not saved at all, uh, it, not a Christian, that has not trusted Christ. So keeping that in mind, because the carnal mind is enmity, It's war against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But, if you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But since Christ is in you, the body's dead. Now, that's, it's a little bit tricky, but if you, say that, if you, if you stay with me, we just said if, if there's the carnal mind, the carnal man, he's not a Christian at all. But if you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And if the Holy Spirit does not dwell in you, you're not a Christian. That was pretty, pretty clear, wasn't it? Okay, now let's go to another one. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. Uh, for by one spirit, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. We are all in one spirit if you've been saved. Now, I say that is awesome news, fantastic news. That means that there's nothing more that you need in the sense of Having extra or accessory packages, or how do I get the Holy Spirit? No, no. You're never commanded anywhere in Scripture to get the Holy Spirit. You are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're never told to be baptized by the Holy Spirit because the work that the Holy Spirit does after you've accepted Christ is He baptizes you into the body of Christ. And He does that. So all the work is done, except. Be being kept filled by the Spirit. Okay? So you have everything you need. What do we do? Well, let's go to one more. Let's go to... Actually, if you're... In, where did I leave you? First Corinthians? Let's go to uh, chapter... Let's go back a moment to chapter 6. Chapter 6 of First Corinthians... 1 Corinthians chapter six, and he's talking to the to the Christians at Corinth, and again, this city is wowzers. Uh, it's, it's a sin city. It would be like Las Vegas, quite honestly. It's very easy to go down a wrong trail. So he's talking now. In verse, we could actually start in. Uh, let's just start in verse eighteen. That'll work. 1 Corinthians chapter six, verse eighteen. He says this. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Verse 19. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's even more clear, isn't it? If you trusted Christ, your body is literally the temple of the Holy Spirit. So now there's two terms that are actually used. I don't want to go into these too much today. But the sense of there's two ideas of which it talks about what we can do in the sense of negatively impacting the Holy Spirit when he's in your life. One of them is to quench the Holy Spirit. And one of them is to grieve the Holy Spirit. Okay, Both of those terms take place... Because the Holy Spirit isn't going anywhere when you sin. He's right there. Now, again, speaking of last week's uh, message that we had, the chances of you being content when you're in sin, either grieving or quenching the Holy Spirit, is zero. He's going to work on you. He's going to let you know, this isn't cool. I want you to follow my lead. I want you back on the roadmap. I want you involved. In fact, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Ephesians 4 and verse 30. Ephesians 4 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, two things that are really cool there. The Holy Spirit isn't going anywhere. If you've trusted Christ, you're sealed unto the day of redemption. That is the best news that I can tell you. He isn't going anywhere. Now, if you were an Old Testament saint, and your name was Samson? Our Saul? Guess what happened? The Holy Spirit, one moment, just said, I'm, adios, see you later. I wonder what that felt like. Woo. Do you remember, uh, you know what, I, actually, I was going to ask this. Do you know where the first time that fear showed up in the Bible? Wow, uh, It's in Genesis. Very good. Very good. I got you thinking now. And, and what was what in regards to? Garden, when yeah, that's right. That's right. And Adam was afraid, it said. What was he afraid of? Because I was... Oh, that's a dumb reason, isn't it? In fact, God went right through that. He said, whoa, whoa, stop. Did you eat of the tree? Well, it was, it was, it was Eve. But did you see that? He was fearful. Why? He had vacated God. He had self had entered the planet, if you will. You see it? As soon as we're full of self, fear is at the door. At the door. Pouncing on us. Let's go to First uh, Thessalonians chapter five. First Thessalonians chapter five. Verse 19, I think. If not, we'll we'll dial it in. 1 Thessalonians, it's taking me forever. And chapter 5, I think it's verse, yeah, verse 19. Four words toward the end, he, and Paul is very, he just distinctly says to the Thessalonians, the Thessalonians, that's not right, Thessalonians, there we go, quench not the spirit. Quench not the spirit. Turn to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul speaking now to the the church at Galatia. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Picture that for a second. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Turn with me to John. John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Let's watch something here. John chapter 7, and we'll pick up at verse 37. John 7, verse 37. Watch this. In the last day, verse 37, John chapter 7, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke, and this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Did you see that? He was promising that if you believe in me, you will receive the Holy Spirit. That's good stuff. Now, I'm going to tell you another group that was really fearful uh charlie charlie uh would you go and open that door just to remind you charlie's not really listening right now he's not listening is he tony no okay um there was another group of folks i'll tell you what they were really really fearful and i'm afraid that if i would have been there you know what i would have been too because it was the people that had been surrounding jesus christ for three years his disciples and they had been with him, I mean 24-7. They were with him, living with him, seeing everything that he was about. And they trusted him. They believed in him. They said, this is the deal. We're going to finally whip the Romans, and we are going to be free and free indeed. Because Jesus Christ, in fact, they'd watched him do some really cool stuff. You remember even in his, in his home country? Remember we talked about those that missed Jesus at Christmas? For us, it was Christmas. And they really were offended by him and were going to throw him off a cliff. And then there's others that were going to stone him to death. And he just kind of like becomes invisible, pushes that button on his arm. No, I'm kidding. And becomes inv- and just walks right out of there, untouched, unscathed. And they watched that. They saw it. And they said, this guy is cool. He can do all kinds of stuff. I'm, I mean, we're, we've, we've picked a winner here. We got it. And then he started saying weird stuff. Jesus started saying weird stuff like, I'm going to be leaving you. And at first they say, well, what, are you going to take a trip and you're going to go, go, no, I'm going to be leaving you. In fact, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be betrayed by one of you. Now, now do, you, do you see that's a word that, what? What's going on here? This can't be right. And, and you know, the first thing, they probably denied it. That's a lot of things we do when we're kind of troubled. We just deny it. We just push it out of our life. We just don't want to talk about it. We don't want to think about it. If there's anything to soften it, to cool it, to blacken it out, all of those things become real. But it kept getting louder and louder and louder. And then on the very night that they met together in communion, he starts to say some things that are just downright scary. Downright scary. And Peter, you know him, right? He was the leader. And he said, well, I'm going to die with you. I'll just go wherever you want to go. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm here for you. And then Jesus really... Let's go to John chapter 14 for a second. Let's watch this unfold. And you're saying, wow, what's going on here? John chapter 14, but we're going to step back just a verse or two into 13. <clears throat> and he's teaching them really all about his departure. Let's start in verse 31 of uh, chapter 13. John thirteen thirty one. I think it'd be good to get us our context. Watch this now. Um, now, what has taken place just previous to this, if you were going to read beginning in verse 21 through verse 30, is the fact that uh, Judas Iscariot, he had, uh, Jesus had served him. Satan had entered into him in verse 27. And now Jesus has said, what you do, do quickly. And he's just left. It's at night. Now, do you see, do you see how close this is to literally his crucifixion? Now, we know that from this perspective. He's not very many hours away. It's pretty close. Verse 31 says, Therefore, when he was gone out, that was Judas, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, where I go, you cannot come. So now I say to you, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also should love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Now, Simon Peter is mulling this around a little bit, and he's got to say something. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, where are you going? I was a little bit of a paraphrase. Whither goest thou? And Jesus answered, uh, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. And Jesus answered, and wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you. The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Ouch! Right? Ouch! And then Jesus says in chapter 14, now this is a, this, these, these verses here are something we use to sense him to comfort someone. I'm going to tell you what, right now the disciples needed comforting. They were scared to death. And what does Jesus start off with? Let not your heart be troubled. Stop having your heart troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You've believed in God which you can't see, believe now in me. I'm going to leave you. It's, it's almost like he's setting them up. See, he's right there. Now, wouldn't it be easy for us if Jesus was right here teaching us right now and you knew that he was the Messiah? Would you not cling to him? Let's be honest. Man, I'll tell you what, I couldn't, get my, I couldn't be away from him. You know, that's just the way Peter was. Peter, he wanted to be with Jesus, Right? And in every case, even when he walked on the water, when, Je- when, when, when here's Jesus walking on the water, and Peter recognized him, he said, Lord, have me come on to you. I mean, he's so focused on him. He said, I just want to be near you. And guess what? As long as he was just focused on Jesus, guess what? He could walk on the water. And you know what? So could you if Jesus was here and you were that focused. Not because it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And wouldn't you want to be close to him? You better believe it. I want to get as close as I could be to him. And it was like when Peter was close to Jesus... Things were good. He said the right things. Jesus asked him, who am I? And what did he say? Thou art the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. Bingo. Bony po- bonus round for you, Peter. And then all of a sudden, it was like when Jesus was gone. Poof. Denies him three times. Goes fishing again. Going to go back to the old career. Can't catch a blasted thing, right? Wouldn't that be embarrassing? Lost my touch fishing. And then this guy the, from, the, from the shore. Hey, Peter. Peter. Throw your net on the other side of the boat. Now, how long had he been fishing? All night long. But he's smart enough to listen. It sounded like somebody he recognized. wonder who that is. Let's do it. It's just just let's humor them, right? They can't, even, they can't even pull it in. There's so many fish. <laughs> and there's Jesus. Shore, cooks some fish, invites him in, and gives him a life mission. I mean, it's so beautiful, isn't it? So beautiful. I'm jumping ahead for just a minute, but while we're on Peter, you know what gives me a great deal of encouragement and should give you as much? Because none of us walked with Jesus. Peter had the opportunity to walk with Jesus for three years. He knew what it was like to eat with his master, he knew what it was like to sit and to listen and absorb all of those truths that were just amazing. He saw his Savior hurt, he saw him resurrected. But you know something? He was just as strong, just as powerful, just as amazing when Jesus was gone as he was when he was with him. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. He gives an unbelievable sermon after Jesus had left, and there's like 3,000 saved. Acts chapter 2. He is on fire. and by, Again, how, how educated was, was uh, Peter? Not very much. Not very much. And I'm not going to read the whole... But if you were going to take... In fact, that would be homework for you. Read Acts chapter 2 tonight. He goes through and gives... It's actually very short. And it's very succinct. And in verse 37 of chapter 2, the results, the response of this... In fact, we'll start in verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus who you crucified, both Lord and Christ... Christ being the anointed one. That's going right to it, isn't it? Powerful statement. Now, verse 37, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized the same day, were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That's the first revival service, and Peter was at the head of it. And it wasn't planned. I can tell you that. Because that morning, during the Feast of Pentecost, guess what was going on? said they were speaking in new languages. Uh, not new languages. They were speaking in languages, that, um, but they were at the Passover, right? And all, and all of these from all different uh, coats from literally all over the world were coming into the city. And they would have spoken different languages. And now, like in the morning, in the morning, in fact, let's just read this. Let's just read this. Because you know what it's going to fit? It's going to fit perfectly. Well, I'll let, I'll let it speak for itself. Acts chapter 2. Let me go back. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, this is chapter 2, verse 1, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, other languages. Now watch. There were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. They had come for this. So literally from all over the world, as in the known world, were there. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying, one another, behold, are not all of these which speak Galileans? No. What, what do they know about language? I mean, aren't these these fishermen guys? And they're just speaking in languages that Joe Blow recognizes over there and Harry does over there and from all over the world. And they're speaking in languages that are understood and they're talking about Jesus. Who are these people? Now watch, watch this. I think it's here. Verse uh, da, 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 Verse 8. And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia and Judah, Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Pergia and Pamphylia and Egypt, and all parts of Libya about Cyrene and the strangers of Rome, Jews and the proselytes, Cretes and Abra- Arabians. We do hear them on our tongues, the wonderful works of God, and they were all amazed and were in doubt saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said this, These men are full of new wine. Did you see that? That's the same connotation that Paul is laying for us out in Ephesians chapter 5. To be, see, do you see, it was a it a religious activity? They're so intoxicated, they're just blur, blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. No, they're speaking languages. Paul had said, no, don't be drunk with wine in excess. Be filled with the Spirit. There's even that contrast even here. And then it says in verse 14, Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice, said unto them, you men of Judah and all that you dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. And the rest of those, those next 35 verses are literally him on impromptu, speaking with an amazing commandment, and 3,000 men were saved. And you know what? Jesus wasn't there. That should be an, a huge encouragement because that same Holy Spirit that filled those men and those women on that day at Pentecost is the same Holy Spirit that is in this room and has filled you when you've trusted Christ. There is nothing that's impossible with Christ and with the Holy Spirit that fills you. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Ooh. Well, I'm going to have a little bit of a drink of this um, Airborne. (laughs) Airborne. I'm going to see if it tastes like water. It doesn't look like water anymore. It's pink, isn't it? And, and you know what? If you looked in it, it's completely permeated with that tablet that dissolved, fizzed, or permeated the entire liquid. It does not taste like water anymore. Now Charlie, on the other hand, is not doing very well. What do you think we should do with him? <laughs> Give him a drink. You think that would help? Charlie, I'm going to put you in the glass. (laughs) Nothing going on here, is it? You know what? Charlie is never going to go over there and open that door until he's energized and there's strength that comes upon him. Now, if for some reason someone might take Charlie and fill Charlie, Charlie, you want to open that door? Charlie can go and open that door, can he? And you know, it's, that's a really simple analogy, but quite honestly, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we yield to him every single minute of every single day, then we become a useful tool for him. And nothing can stop us because we're in Jesus. We're in the Spirit. Every single minute of every single day. That's pretty cool, isn't it? It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Play ra'o to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Play ra'o Another sense of permeation. How many of you use? Uh, did you use salt on your uh, eggs this morning? No, you did. Yeah, didn't have eggs. Okay, I'm going somewhere. I probably shouldn't go, but salt is all actually very, very much same like that sense of permeation. You put salt on. Guess what? goes through it all. If you use enough of it, it'll actually preserve it. It permeates. Much the same picture. Total control. Total control. Let's, uh, let's look at a couple of examples. Now, this isn't necessarily... I want, but I want you to see the sense of control. Let's go to John again. Where did I leave you? We're, we're, Acts. Let's go back to John for a second. John chapter 16... And verse 6, John 16, 6. That's not going to do it. Oh, no, there it is. Yeah, exactly. I just got to go to the right chapter. John 16, 6. And I know I'm diving. I'm just kind of jumping into a context, but it'll work for what we're doing here. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow. Oh, guess where we're at? I forgot to tell you. Where did we leave you in John chapter 14, right? Verses 1 through 6. Well, if you continue on through 15 and guess what? 16, guess what? It's the same context. It's the same night that Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Now, let's keep going here. In fact, he's, he's, he's even telling them now. He says, because of what I'm saying, because I've said these things, what sorrow hath, what's the word? Filled or controlled your heart. They are controlled by sorrow. The same word, plerao. They're filled with, see, you see, it's that same thing, the sense of control. If you were going to ask him right now at that verse, verse 6, what do you guys feel like? Oh man, we're just filled with sorrow, right? That's exactly the picture that he's trying to play for us. Now, watch this, verse seven. Watch this; it gets better. He he tells him because of what I'm saying, you're sorrowful. Nevertheless, verse seven. I love that. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth; I'm telling you reality. It is expedient, or the best for you, that I go away. For if I go not away. The Comforter, the Holy Spirit, will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. Oh, my goodness. Do you see what he's doing? He's telling me exactly what's going to be the very best for them. Now, here again, their contentment would have been based upon what? What was their first secret of contentment? Complete confidence in God's providence. At this point, they had a choice to make. Am I going to be content in Jesus leaving because he's going to send the Comforter? He said it's best for me. That's the word he used, expedient. You see, when we're living life here, when we're content, it's when we've trusted Christ to take us wherever we're at, no matter what we see on the horizon, but are we going to trust Him for the circumstances in which we find ourselves? There is contentment. There is peace. There is peace. Okay, let's go to uh, one more. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. This speaks of Jesus Himself. Matthew chapter 4. Oh, let's see. Is that going to do it for us? Yeah, it'll work. Uh, Matthew chapter 4. Now, what's... Oh, we should go back just a second for that. Uh, verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God "...descending like a dove, and lighting upon him, and, lo, a voice from heaven, saying, "'This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased.' Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward a-hungered. And when the tempter came to him, "'If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be bread,' And he answered and said, "'It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the word, word of God.' Very, very interesting. Now, Jesus, again, as we can see, that he was led by the Spirit into the, into the wilderness to be tempted of Satan. What can we assume from what's taken place here? Jesus Christ himself was filled with the Holy Spirit. He's filled. Now, here's something. I was in a conversation, uh, actually, a, a number of times. Can Satan use Scripture to discourage me? Yes, he can. He can use Scripture to mislead you. He can use scripture in many ways because, uh, amazingly, Satan knows the Bible probably better than you do. <laughs> but he doesn't want you to follow the Bible in the way it's designed. That's why we have all of these cults. We have all of these isms. Is He's taking them on a route that would be totally in the opposite direction of what God's grace is all about. Right here, look at, think, imagine this. He's talking to the Word. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Logos. Here he is, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. He is taking the Word who is in the wilderness by the Spirit and trying to smoke him with the Bible, the Word of God. I find that just amazing. How did he do? He was zero for three, which is called a strikeout. Just the way it ought to be. And you know what? The very same principles apply to us. How do you want to be filled by the Spirit? You fill yourselves with the Word of God. Just immerse, permeate yourselves with the Word of God. Let the Word of God take effect in you. In fact, right now would be a good time. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I've got to find where we're going here. I think we'll find it in verse 16. Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to find basically some of the same things that we see We have just stopped in verse 18 of chapter 5 of Ephesians, but Colossians, we're going to read the same context and watch what it ties in for us. We'll start in verse 15. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Now, quickly turn back to Ephesians chapter 5, and I want to read the verses that correspond directly with that. Hold your place. We'll be right back in Colossians. I should have done it the other way, but here we go. Verse 18, Ephesians 5, 18. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Back to Colossians. let flip right back there real quickly. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns. and Did you see it? The word of Christ dwelling in you is the same as being filled with the Spirit. It's the Word of Christ, the Word of God, that literally is the fuel that allows you to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm not sure why I have this, but let's turn to Acts for a moment. Acts chapter 11. I'll find out in a second. One of the things that distracts us sometimes is how much time in the 24 hour period that we're giving, what are we thinking about? What are we listening to? Acts chapter 11, and I'm going to look at verse 22. Oh, this, okay, I see what it is. Here's, a, here's another, you guys know Barnabas. Let's just dial in here. It just gives us another picture of someone that's filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, chapter 11, verses 22 through 24. Here we go. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came, had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted, encouraged them all, that with the purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord, for he was a good man, and full of the... Holy Ghost, and to faith, and much people were added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus to for to seek Saul. What a perfect combination! And you'll find that amazing, amazing, amazing. One of the keys to be filling with yourself. Now, here's another thing. I uh, imagine for a moment that uh, this glass now is empty of of the uh, um, what did I use again? I forgot airborne. Airborne. There we go. Okay, and let's just say, um, but. Here's another glass, and it's full. Again, it's full. But we don't know what it's full of. We just don't know what it's full of. But it doesn't take too long, because if you spill some of it out, you see that it's not very good stuff. It's all kinds of selfishness, and hatred, and bitterness, and envy, and strife, and all of that stuff that you see actually we're told to put off. Well, if you're life is full of that stuff, that would be, let's just say, self. When it's full of self, how much of the Holy Spirit is going to be able to go inside that? Zero. Zero. So we first of all have to what? We have to empty ourselves. Remember our car being pulled by a horse? That's about the same thing. You will only be as strong as the strength of yourself. We must empty ourselves so that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We surrender our wills, our intellect, our body, our time, our talents, our treasures. Let me, say that, let me say that again. How do you get rid of yourself? You're surrendering what? Your will, your time, your treasure, your talents. There's one more, I don't remember it, but you see what I'm saying? When you surrender those, guess what? The Holy Spirit begins to fill your life, and He fills you to full to overflowing. And then exceedingly abundantly above what you can think or ask for what He's working in you, it produces. There's three things that we saw in Colossians, and there's three things that you'll find in Ephesians. There's singing, there's thanks, there's submitting. In fact, from that point on in that chapter in chapter 5 of Ephesians, you'll find actually when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, your relationships with your wife or your husband, your relationship with your children, your relationship as a, ma- as a uh, employer to employee, all of those things are on track because guess what? You taste and act just like you were permeated with the Holy Spirit. And you're going to be singing to yourself, singing psalms, singing hymns, all of those things that just come out of you because that's who you are. That's the new you, if it will, as we're being filled moment by moment by moment by moment by moment. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, a very common theme probably to most of you but one that I think is extremely important as we contemplate this. What are we thinking about? How are we going to be filled? Well, literally, what we think about is ex- extremely important. Uh, verse 8, actually, we'll start in verse 7. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That's sometimes why, you know what, you just have to take the news and you have to go click, turn to the left. You can't take anymore because it doesn't put you in the right frame of mind. Correct? There's a lot of things in society. You just have to tune them out. You have to get in a different frequency. In fact, if you you, you, have a, you remember those old radio deals, those old radio stations deals, you know, you know, you kind of go in and out of frequencies. You remember, right? Those old AMs. None of them really work very well. But once in a while, you get. And you know what? You got to turn into God's channel. You got to get tuned into His frequency. You've got to pick up the stuff He wants you to listen to because that's when you're being filled. If you're on the self frequency. Not a lot of filling going on, at least not filling from the Holy Spirit. You're going to be quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit. Find His frequency. Tune into it. Play ra'o. Be filled with Him. Be filled with Him. There's one more verse that I would... Uh, the other thing that's interesting, too, sometimes we're so worried about the negative, the stuff, you know, we, we, we focus on that. In other words, oh, man, I'm, I'm, being, I'm just being subjected to so much demonic struggles and uh, the satan attacks and all. Well, that could be very well true but you know what don't focus on that it's like uh it, you probably i don't know you you probably don't train the tellers and they're in the money right no good thing that's a good, okay but one of the things that i'm told and correct me if i'm wrong you know what they don't give them counterfeit a hundred different kind of counter you need to make yourself aware of these counter. no 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 you just touch the real stuff you just play with the real money and guess what the other stuff just sticks out it's the same way here. You just play with the real stuff. You think about the positive, and the negative takes care of itself. The positive will overrule the negative if that's what you're focused on. That's the way that's why he says in Philippians 4 8. Think about the stuff that's really important. Think about the stuff that's pure and honest and true and holy. It takes care of itself. We've got two more verses. Second Corinthians, let's go there for a second. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. <clears throat> this is really what he's... There, there's a facet of this now. As you're being filled with the Spirit, there's something that's taking place. You're becoming to look a little bit more like Jesus all the time. 2 Corinthians three eighteen. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, that's one day it's going to happen. Poof! And you're going to be just exactly what He wants you to be. But you know what He's doing right now, moment by moment by moment by moment by moment when we're yielding ourselves to the Holy Spirit? You're becoming to look just a little more like Jesus. You're beginning to taste just a little bit more like what He is. Now, do you remember back in Ephesians chapter, we read that passage in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. That's a passage, if you were going to memorize something, it really is of an utmost, it's, it's so powerful and so awesome, it's amazing. That passage is amazing. Okay, one of the things that's in there is the fact of Paul's prayer was for us to be able to comprehend the the width, the depth, the breadth, the full comprehension of what God's love is. Because when we do that, I want us now to keep that in mind. Just think about God's love for us. And that's another, next week we're maybe going to, if I get that far, if God takes us there, I want to talk, there is a fear that really we are encouraged to be part of, and that is having a proper fear of God. A fear of God. We're, I think we're, we need to, we need to explore that a minute because some when this fear it's not this cowering, fearful that it's not that's not what it's about. But and I don't want to say any more about that. But as we get into you think about what the grace of God has accomplished, and you think about His love and His grace that has totally changed your situation forever. Positionally, you are a brand new person, never to be condemned again. Romans chapter eight verse one. But to think of this now, we're going to go to a passage now in 1 John. And how did we start this? Remember what we talked about? We talked about the sense of fear. Let's look at this. The more we're filled with the Spirit, that we're comprehending His love, which is the basis of chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Let's go now to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, and watch this. Now, we had studied through the epistle of John, but I want us to look now at verses 18 and 19. Actually, verse sixteen. We'll start there. Verse sixteen, John chapter first 1 John, first John chapter four. And we have uh, verse sixteen, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Uh, then what is that telling us? I tell you what. You keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Guess what's going to become part of you? A love that you could not even imagine that could come from you. It's a self-sacrificing love. It's a giving love. It's one that's called agapa or agape love that comes not from you, but from the Holy Spirit that places it within you. Now, watch verse 19. Verse 18, I'm sorry. Look at this. There is no fear in love. And I missed a verse, didn't I? Verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. You be filled with the Spirit, you're just exactly there. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're full of the Holy Spirit, guess what there's no room for? Fear. Isn't that amazing? And all of that is in our, it's our responsibility, and it's at our our disposal. What a fabulous set of I don't even know what to say. It's the full package, isn't it? I think Tony's right. It's pretty neat. We just don't put into practice what we have at our disposal. To God be the glory, great things He hath done. Any questions or comments? All right. I think I'm out of stuff. But are you guys on? Should we explore that? I'm... Because I think that's another one that's just kind of, I was going to say it was eating at me. It's not eating at me, but it's its like, uh, you know, there's a, there's a healthy fear. There's a healthy fear that we need to have because what it does is it sets everything up right. If we have the right perspective of God, then guess what? The love is right. Fear is displaced. Peace is ours. Contentedness comes, becomes ours. All of those things. Let, let's just, let's get down to that next week. What do you got to think about that? Okay? All right. That, let's pray, Father God. We thank you for the day. We thank you for your love, for your care. Thank you, Father, that even the Word tells us that perfect love casts out fear. We do not need to be fearful, Father. You have conquered it through Jesus Christ. Thank you for allowing us to have lived within us the Holy Spirit. He sealed us unto the day of redemption. Father, may may we treat our bodies as the temple of the Holy Spirit. May we yield to Him each moment of every day as we have choices. There's so many choices that happen in any given day. May we yield to the Holy Spirit. And as that relationship becomes stronger and stronger, as we immerse ourselves, as we're permeated and penetrated by the Word of God, it even becomes more so. I pray for each one of these here today, Father, that you would uh, give them what they need for the week before them. They will come in contact with many uh, other people, Father, that uh, probably uniquely they will be the only ones of yours that will be in contact with. Our travels are unique, but Father, may we learn to fuel up. May we learn to start our engines first, but Father, also remembering to fill it with the fuel that comes from the Holy Spirit. As we travel this road in humility, with wisdom, with love, traveling in the light, in your light, Father, may we be careful to thank you as well. Especially thank you, Father, too, for the The armor that you gave in Ephesians chapter 6, which we did not talk about today, but, Father, as those roadblocks come across, when we're actively engaged and energized by the fuel that the Holy Spirit gives us, Satan is not happy. But you've given us everything we need, not just to survive, but be sustainable and effective and just downright awesome. May you protect us now. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.